Whoa, new intro, who dis? Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna. United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. I feel that. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, we're telling the amazing stories of Type One diabetics throughout the world, uh, and I'm very, exi- very, very, very excited. Gosh, all that caffeine just coming through <laughs> uh, to introduce my guest for the day. Um, I, I gotta say this because I was thinking about it on the way home. Um, you, I have the sugars is my favorite like diabetes wordplay. I have to say like because it's all <laughs> like diabetes puns are everywhere. So Libby Russell comes on the show from New York City. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So before we dive into your story, um, mm-hmm. I have the sugars. Um, yeah. Where where you're sitting around one day? How did it come to be? What's the you know? Give us the story. So. Uh, I guess for many years, I wanted to have something, like some sort of outlet, some sort of place where I could write down everything I was going through. But it all kind of came to fruition uh, one night when I was watching SNL. And Kristen Wiig was playing Paula Dean, who, as we know, has type 2 diabetes. Uh, But she was playing her in the kitchen, like pretending to be whipping up some Paula Deen style recipe with like 18 pounds of hot butter and oil is I think what she said. And mm-hmm. she kept saying that she had the sugars and like kept saying it in this hilarious accent, wannabe Paula Deen accent. And I just, it stuck for some reason. So that's where the name came from. Um, but in general, the blog kind of came from uh, my experience in college and high school and, and just wanting to I had a lot of feelings back then, and I needed a place to put them. Um, and blogging was like not really a thing yet in 2010, to think it was only seven years ago. Uh, so there were many iterations, but we finally got to where we are now. We did. And I mean, I love for me, because I, I live in Texas, and, um, mm-hmm. and I've, I grew up here, um, even though I traveled around for a while. Um, like the sugars is a thing. Like that's like that's a lot of you know a subculture of uh, of type two diabetes really is that like people know it yeah. as the sugars, right? So yep. I remember a couple of years ago hearing this like Lavelle Crawford bit who was uh, 
who was Huel on Breaking Bad, uh, mm-hmm. I guess most famously, and he was talking about how if he, he told his grandma that he had diabetes, she wouldn't even bat an eyelash. But if she, but if he told her that he had the sugars, that she would freak out like he was dying. So yeah, it was you know it's just it is this like cultural appropriation of type two, right? But yep. Um, but also still sort of endearing and super funny. So I, I love, uh, you know, the tongue in cheek piece of it. And, um, and you're right. Like, you know, I think we've all had feelings, right. When that we didn't know where to process, um, (laughs) you know, you're looking at another outlet of that right now, uh, diabetics doing things right. So, um, yeah. And I think now as well, you know, I talk about this a lot with people is the community online of diabetics and social media and blogs is start is really yep. like almost like critical mass, right? There's, there's a lot of really great people doing awesome stuff. It's a densely populated thing. It is. But, yeah. but I think like Maybe. it's, it's densely, it may be compared to other things though. I think it's just the right amount. You know what I mean? So yeah, totally. I don't know if the world needs another fashion blogger, um, no. but you know, <laughs> another story about diabetes, like, cause it'll probably help somebody somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think super worth it. Totally agree. Okay, so let's back up now that we got that out of the way. I got the I got the fanboy <laughs> over your name a little bit. Um, let's talk about you. So let's go back to your you know when you got you know the the news that you were going to be diagnosed with type one, mm-hmm. um, and kind of walk us through that. So I was really lucky. I was seventeen um, in the middle of my junior year lacrosse season, uh, starting the process of looking at colleges. I grew up in a small town in Maine called Cumberland, Maine. Yes, just like the gas station. And um, I was in the process of looking at schools and was on the road a lot with my mom and my dad. Um, And my mom just started noticing like weird symptoms that I was having. And at the time I was in amazing shape. Like I was working out three plus hours a day. Um, So I didn't think anything of it. I just thought I was like extra hydrated and really healthy. I was drinking so much water. I like remember vividly the Nalgene, those big blue Nalgene covered in bumper stickers that I was chugging many times a day. Um, And my mom's like intuitive mom senses went off the charts, like something's up. So ironically, I was really struggling in school in a couple of my afternoon classes, which all lined up at the end. But um, in that, you know, process of trying to figure out why, why I was struggling in school, I was diagnosed with ADD, which like every 17-year-old kid has at that point. So I was in my pediatrician's office doing like a consultation for that. And um, my mom was just kind of like, oh, by the way, <laughs> she's having all these other symptoms. Like, do you think it could be type 1 diabetes? And I, my doctor was like, uh, no. Um, my mom said, are you sure? Like, let's just test her. And fortunately, my mom pushed my doctor a little bit and she, we obviously went through the whole shebang and I went back to lacrosse practice, like really confused or I went back to school really confused because I had no idea what type one diabetes even was. I didn't know anyone with it. Um, carried on with myself to lacrosse practice. And by the time I came home, I was a type one diabetic, um, packed my bags, went to Children's Hospital where I felt insanely out of place because I was perfectly healthy and functioning in my own opinion. Um, Spent about two days there getting poked and prodded and then it was like back into the wild. So it was a pretty whirlwind time. Um, I was a fairly typical teenager about it. I don't really remember 
anything other than being really angry. <laughs> I was in, when I was in the hospital, my best friend's mom is a nurse and she brought me a big block of cheese and said, this is going to be your best friend for the rest of your life. And I was like, it already is. So that was kind of funny because she was sort of like offering me a trade of like carbs for something that I already loved. Um, but yeah, it was rough. It was really confusing. People weren't very nice. Doctors were very unhelpful and it was a very sterile, unemotional, transactional diagnosis. I was extremely fortunate. I was only, a, I think my mom said the other day I was only in like the 300s. Um, and she's guessing it was because I was so active that I was keeping my blood sugars down. Um, but who knows? It could have been one more day, one more week, one more year even. Anything could have happened. So very lucky in that regard. Well, and I think too, like I want to touch on a few things because that story is awesome. And I think... <laughs> folk hones in on a lot of emotions that people go through, right? Um, yeah. A lot of different ones too. So um, I want to start off first of all with like the confusion and like feeling kind of cold and sterile, like you don't belong in the hospital, right? Because yeah. um, when I got to, I, I went to children's hospital as well. I, my blood sugar wasn't super high. I wasn't in DKA or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I even like, I woke up New Year's day, like I threw up cause I was sick. Mm-hmm and like drank a little bit of Dr. Pepper to like calm my stomach down. Cause I guess that I was a thing. I had a Dr. Pepper too that day. What? Whoa. Weird. <laughs> Dr. Pepper, it's your fault. Did we just, fi- did we just figure out diabetes? Gosh, Maybe type one it. triggers it's, guys. It's not an autoimmune disease. It is caused by sugary sodas. It's, it's Dr. Pepper, you know, and that's why doctors hate it. Cause you know, he's a colleague. Yep. You know? Um, so yeah, so I had a, t- I, I drank a full can of Dr. Pepper, went to, right to the emergency care and my blood sugar was only like 400. So, um, yeah, I was like you very fortunate. And also when I got to the hospital, they gave me a bunch of insulin and saline cause I was dehydrated and like yeah. immediately I felt a hundred percent better. So much better. Right. Yeah. And, and I was like, I was a, a year younger than you were and in the middle of basketball season and like in good shape. And I was like, wow, yeah, I'm ready to go. I feel fantastic. Um, Oh, I thought nothing of it. I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, I was annoyed at the inconvenience. But, like, I didn't realize the severity of it. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I mean, it's, and I think for me, I thought, like, once they told me I was going to be okay, after, after, at that point, it became sort of like, all right, well, can I go? Like, what's the deal? Right, Um, right, yeah. And then, you know, the second thing I want to focus on as well is I too have a, like a tiger mom. Uh, my mom mm-hmm. is, uh, I am who I am today because of her a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> and she like, w- I, I went back to school the next day. I was in the hospital like three nights and school yep. started the next day after I got back. She's like, yeah, you're just going to go. So, yep. you know, the rumor mill had been floating around. And I was in the hospital and then I just like show up first day and everybody's like, what's, what's the deal here? Oh my God. Same. You know what I remember? I remember being pissed. I didn't have like a cast or stitches or like crutches. Like I was so annoyed that I was going back with this like invisible battle scar. (laughs) Like talk about total vanity, like high school girl where I was like, nobody's going to understand what I just went through because I can't, I'm not visibly sick or hurt or like, you know, and it, you go back to your lunch table with all of your friends and 
I just, I remember pricking my finger for the first time and one of my guy friends across the table was like, ew, gross, what are you doing? And I was like, oh God, here we go. So, oh, it's like, great guys. Yeah, <laughs> just, great. We're so astute with all of our observations, aren't we? Oh, yeah, you remember the weird, but I really, I remember being so bummed that like I didn't have anything to show for it. And now I'm like, if only I could take off the thing that I have to show for it. <laughs> right, like, and I was like, you know, I don't have, I, I'm not, I don't have any great story no. You know, like the, and I, all of my friends were curious about like what I had to do. So for me, I think my doctors told me to like keep my, when I went back to school, like keep my like test kit and stuff in the office downstairs and I could go in there before lunch and like give myself my shots and things. Yeah. So they like tried to keep me a little bit more sheltered, but I of course like just invited like my friends in there. So, um, I had this like very, like, I guess it was the room if you're having like a panic attack or something, or you needed like a yep. med- like meditation to be away from people you would go to. So it's like very serene. And I would just go in there and like give myself my shots. I need um, that now. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> like, where's that? Where's that now? 10 years, 12. Grownups need that in. too. So yeah, it was rough. It was a rough couple days. So from there, I think, you know, you were talking about, you went right back to lacrosse practice. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I think I, I want to stay on moms for a little bit because my mm-hmm. mom, you know, had literally like took it on like she had type one as well, you know, mm-hmm. helped me plan all my meals out, was helping yep. me count carbs, helping me, you know, f- go back and forth on, you know, how much, you know, reading my charts and going through my meter and really helping me. And like she was yep. like overbearing for sure. But I want to like focus on that relationship for like diabetics who feel kind of overwhelmed by their parents, like over, <laughs> you know, over worrying because it's a thing, right? So. Yes. Um, how did you kind of deal with that? Honestly, my parents could not possibly have handled it better. And to this day, like last night I was on the phone with both of them. I make them now be on speaker when they're both home. Um, and they were like, you never told us like how hard everything was. And it was like, cause I didn't want to stress you guys out. I never wanted you to be the parents that started worrying like I wanted you to think that I had it under control which I have always like been quote-unquote fine right Right. physically fine which can become a huge burden on you emotionally and mentally but um, they they're both athletes too and so they kind of took this on like just another degree of difficulty in whatever game we were playing so it was kind of like There wasn't a lot of crying. There wasn't a lot of like wallowing in misery. It was like, here are the the steps we need to take to just integrate this into your life. And at first, you know, it was typical naggy parent stuff. Like, did you test? What was your number? Did you cover? And I, you know, hated it, but I knew they had to ask those questions. Um, You know, I will never forget, like, if I had, I used to get a lot of lows in the middle of the night because when I was on shot, Lantis was, like, way too much for me when I was playing sports. Um, And I would always hear her little shuffle down the stairs when I was in the kitchen absolutely gorging myself on, like, peanut butter and crackers. And I would hear her come down the stairs. She always sort of was, like, quietly observing to make sure that I was okay. And, like, she kept a really... um, amazing distance that was like I always knew if I really needed her I could approach her but she wasn't going to take the responsibility away from me I think I have no idea how she had the intuition to do that I I honestly think it's because my brother my little brother is about three years younger than me he was sick as a baby he had a heart issue and needed a heart open heart surgery like immediately 
And I don't, I think that's such a sobering, scary situation that after you go through something that urgent and immediate and acute that like you look at a chronic problem with a much leveler head. Um, so she sort of like took it on as a, as a learning experience and sort of like this one day at a time. And my dad is like one of the most logical level headed people. And he's a consultant. And I always say he's like my personal life consultant because his advice is just so grounding. And so whenever I would feel overwhelmed, I would actually go to him for like more of the emotional support and my mom for more of the like logistical support. Um, she would always make sure I was stocked up and she would, you know, there was always a lesson in the uh, lacking the proper amount of test strips for the weekend away or not refrigerating my insulin on a trip to a hot beach. Like she was the one that taught me a lot about the responsibility factor of it. And my dad really has continued to be the emotional support, which might be the opposite of a lot of people. I bet willing to bet. Right. And I think maybe like not necessarily true to type, but you know, like yeah. I think everybody has those people, whether it's parents or it's grandparents or it's um, friends with diabetes or, you know, even, you know, sometimes doctors or whatever, like you, everybody takes that different relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you nice. Would, it's not like, all on one person, you know, it's a lot for one person to support. It takes a village. Does it, not, does it not? Yep. It's, it's a big village. It's like, it's like a small city. But yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to learn how to distribute like your needs in a way that's fair to your friends and your, your tribe. I've definitely been guilty of leaning too heavily on, you know, one or two people and it's exhausting. It's not fair. It is. And I think, um, you know, I wanted to focus on something as well because, you know, you talked about not wanting to worry your parents or cause yeah. them to think that you didn't have it under control. Yeah. Um, I think first of all, like I'm, I'm very similar. I never, I didn't, I didn't want people to treat me differently because of my diabetes. So, and I think that was for a long time why I wasn't as open about it as yep. I am now, um, because I didn't want it to attract attention in a way that felt like needy to me, even though that was just projection from my own mind. But, right. um, so you know, kind of back to the the original point, like you're putting it all on yourself. Like know that you're not alone, but also kind of weighing those options. So. Yeah. If you're in the, in your shoes now or, you know, going back and putting yourself in, in those shoes or in someone who is going through something like that, what advice would you have to them? Well, now I now it's so different because I, I mean, I think with the parents being a little overprotective thing, like technology makes that a little bit more intense, I think, for kids and teenagers, like with Dexcom share and like there's a lot more snooping parents can do. Um But I think when you're looking for support, of course, the whole social media thing has changed the game a thousandfold. I mean, that's why I started The Sugars was because there was nothing, absolutely not one peep of of, of someone else. I was convinced that, like, there were three diabetics in the world. Um, I think that Beyond Type 1 is an amazing resource for emotional support for newly diagnosed people. Um, I think they are new, but they get it from like a, we've lived it, we see it, we understand that there's such a human element to this that is so necessary to support holistically. Um, And like, I would have killed to have that kind of resource when I was younger. Like, it was so strange to go from normal one day and then participating in fundraising walks the next day. I was like, to me, there's just like a massive gaping hole 
of support that's not being addressed. And I think Beyond Type 1 has done an incredible job sort of like swooping in and, and filling that. That's kind of where I would say to look first because then you start to put faces to names when you start reading all the articles. And I think um, a lot of them aren't Type 1s. They're, they're wives, their brothers, their sisters, their children. And you kind of realize the types of roles your own your own tribe could take on. Like I have certain friends that I talk to about it very, very differently than other friends. Um, just based on like the type of person they are and the type of relationship that I have with them. And I think over time you also have to be willing to evolve the way you approach it and the way you ask for support. Because I think especially in your late twenties, you realize you're at like that peak part of your life where your relationships change pretty frequently. Um, and it's hard. It can be really hard, but yeah, it can be. And I think, you know, I love Beyond Type One. They are amazing. Um, yeah. I'm so glad that they exist. And I, I want to focus on, you know, when you were saying you started the Sugars back in like 2010, I think you said. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I can't imagine how few resources there were then, because in 2015, when I was looking at, I, I told, I tell a story all the time. I hope it's not beating a dead horse, but. I was on this trip in Colombia and I couldn't go, I couldn't leave my hotel room some nights because uh, my translator wasn't with me and it wasn't safe. So I had to stay in the hotel room. So I just sat there and, you know, in the, in my hotel room thinking, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life? So I was like, oh, well, you know, I want to do something that helps people because that's what makes me happy. And, you know, I'm a diabetic, so maybe I can just help my people out. So yeah. I went and looked then, and, and I mean, compared to now, there were like nobody. There was okay. a few people, like Neil Greathouse was one that I found. Yep. Um, he's and I found so a few, funny. He's so great. Um, <laughs> His videos kill me. <laughs> maybe one of the most giving people uh, I've oh. ever been around, too. Just hilarious. Um, but yeah, and I mean, now there's there's people that, um, you know, even you and I chatted, I, I think, a couple of months ago, really. Yeah. Like, it's been a while. So um, there's a lot more people now, but it's still a space that, you know, there's a lot of us and, yeah. you know, there's people in different rural areas and they're not everybody's social media savvy. Not everybody's, um, you know, lives in a big city. So it's like, it's important to remember that, you know, there's a lot of different resources out there for you to look for. Um, and, you know, asking the questions and going and seeking out that information and you'll probably find somebody who's at least talking about what you're going through. Absolutely. And that's something that is kind of on my like to-do list. I think living in New York is where uh, this is the kind of city where like everybody has something. <laughs> it's a competitive city, right? Like everybody has a side hustle. Everybody has a has some sort of passion project. And when I moved here three years ago, I sort of turned the blog upside down. I shook it out. I made it more of like, as opposed to me just going on there to vent, I turned it into, I flipped it. At first, it was a selfish project. It was for me to help myself because for so many years, I'd just been in my own head and alone and like not able to jam on ideas with anybody. And when I got here, you know, people started to pop up. And yes, it has to do with the fact that a bazillion people live here. So the odds of meeting other diabetics is far greater. But I really opened up the floor of conversation, but I still feel totally spoiled here. Like I have... um, really, you know, successful people all over the city that are also involved in either JDRF or, or Beyond Tape One. And, you know, it's, it's almost like a gluttonous support system. Like, you know, celebrities even, like Sam Talbot is here. If I really needed, you know, high profile people with diabetes, I could easily find them. But then I think like, okay, I'm from a small town in Maine. Like, 
there were a couple other kids younger than me that have it, but what kind of resources did they have? And I know Beyond Type 1 is trying to do this with their DKA campaign in Pennsylvania, but like I really want to try to find a way to sort of, I guess, infiltrate kind of an aggressive word, but get, you know, get more support, even if it is just digital, that makes more sense for smaller communities and makes more sense for like, you know, the the people that are in that strange age gap between high school or college and you know, that's when people are really lost and swirly anyway. And and that was when I needed the most help. And I just would love to try to find a way to have a greater presence outside of, of the major metropolitan East Coast area. So that's on my to-do list. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're going to find a way to uh, to do that or, and, and help with those, you know, organizations as well. Because I think organizations are looking to people now, I think right now, has been very visible is uh, one drop has like done a really yep. nice job and dro- and like dropping people meters um, mm-hmm. and like really getting the word out. And it's like, wow, this like company really understands like how to reach uh, type ones because you know that we connect with each other and hey. you know, something that uh, you know, ar- around the election time uh, I read an article from the cracked uh, executive editor talking about, mm-hmm. He used the election and like the results and uh, the big data like fiascos with everyone's predictions to illustrate like a uh, us versus them sort of small town versus big city mentality. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, what you're talking about is like a little bit of that uh, just in a different way is like, you know, in the if you're in the country, if you're in a small town, if you've been diagnosed at a small hospital, um, you may not have the same resources or may not be exposed totally. to the same information. And I think. Um, one of my first interviews was with one of my good friends here in Dallas and he is from a small town in West Texas mm-hmm. and his diagnosis experience was like, could not have been more different than mine. Uh, yeah. mine was, mine was great. I was diagnosed at children's in Dallas. It's awesome. It was literally like a three day vacation on how to treat diabetes. <laughs> and they gave me a ton of, uh, advice and resources and material and training. And they were very encouraging and I felt great. And he was almost the exact opposite. Like he walked out of there with like, he's not going to live past 30. He's going to get his, his feet are going to fall off. You know, just yeah. like these terrible things that he, yeah. whether they told him to him directly or not, like he came out of there with them. So uh, again, like from there, you know, especially 20 years ago, you walk out of there, that's like, uh, you, there is no internet for you to go look things up on or, or try to get a second opinion for yourself. So um, I think it's a great mission. I, I don't know, like there's, if there's one, one, like whatever, 1.25 or almost one and a half million type mm-hmm. ones in the US, um, not everybody's in the big cities, right? So uh, we got to help our, help our country brothers and sisters out. Yeah, I, I mean, it's scary too. Like even here in New York, like I don't know if you know, um, and it sounds so, I sound so snobby saying that even here in New York, but like it is true that there's just so many hospitals here and they hold each other to incredibly high standards. But even even some of our pals here have had horrible experiences and it's just a matter of getting the word out that, you know, it's 2017, like we're not all going to have our feet fall off. Can you maybe not tell a kid that when getting diagnosed like holy crap like I had a horrible diabetes educator when I first got diagnosed she I felt like she hated me that she like wanted me to suffer and you know it I think being a being a diabetes educator is 
a tough job in and of itself, but just like, I don't know that people are terribly attracted to that type of role. Like that's why so many diabetics are diabetes educators. I met an amazing one this weekend, but you know, she even said people suck (laughs) and people are behind and there aren't the resources and it has to be from the ground up because it's just not a sexy thing. It's, it's not, it's not where the money is. It's not where the most, you know, competitive, um, doctors are. It's just, just is what it is. And that's why I think that the whole community on social media has become so powerful because, you know, think about all the, the people that are struggling to say, for example, that girl Esme who couldn't get a pump because her insurance company kept denying her and her parents emailed Beyond Type 1 and it became this massive social media campaign to like bang on United Healthcare's door. And I think that's the kind of stuff that's really cool and inspiring. It's like, we have to fend for ourselves and I love it and I hate it because I'm always so inspired by the success stories. But sometimes I'm like, Oh, someone please pay attention to us. Yeah, so it's, it's like you said, it's not sexy. It's not the, no. you know, it's, it's chronic. Like you said, you know, it's chronic. It's not, uh, there isn't this big, you don't come home with a cast. There's no chemo. And I'm not trying to downplay those or say that they're better. It's just, the reality when you're raising awareness for something where everybody looks so normal and can still yeah. do all the same things that they did before, yeah. um, it's a challenge. And I think, you know, the, the thing that I like about so many diabetics becoming diabetes educators is because they have a heart for each other yeah. and, you know, they, they know the stories and they know what they're going through. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll say this about uh, the type one diabetes community. We've got to get better at our logos, guys. We've got to really. Oh my like, god! We've got to get better. I, and I think we. Our. Your uh, website is pretty dope. Oh, I have to say, well, you've done very you. well. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. I just like I, I and I sound so snobby when I say that as a like a design snob, but um, I just I was like, we're better than this, guys. We could do this together. Well, that's yeah. That's part of the reason why I was like a part of my French, like a fly on shit to be on type one, because I was like, what is this beautiful, sexy, modern, like honest, disruptive organization? Like I've never seen anything like this before, you know? And it, it was really appealing to see something that just like was colloquial and modern and totally aligned. And I think our generation is going to like blow shit up. I think we are, because we're so tech savvy and because we know how to make things, you know, very marketable, I think it will be easier for us to sort of transform. Cause you're right. Like no offense to some of the other organizations, but it doesn't, it, it's not the old days where like a nice logo costs a lot of money. Like right. it, it really doesn't. It just takes a good eye and a little bit of good taste. So, and I think you, but the reason that beyond type one felt that way, for me as well, I was like, oh, these people know me. Like, they, yeah. know, they know what I want. Like, th- mm-hmm. they understand the things that I like outside of diabetes, and they made this look like that. And, like, fun. And, like, something that's cool to be a part of. Like, I felt like such a child being involved with other ones. I felt like I was being talked down to or that it was, like, part of some weird stuffy research that, like, you know, I, I wasn't ready to be a part of that kind of world yet until fairly recently you know it's 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 tough but you're right and i and i think like some of the companies are starting to get that um yeah like one drop good glucose all these like new sort of startup vibe yeah 
And I think that's just indicative of like the nature of sort of businesses in general. But even like, because uh, like obviously Nick Jonas is a is a part of Beyond Type One and one of like the founding members, and mm-hmm. uh, like he partners with Dexcom. And they, I saw this Dexcom ad the other day, and it's like Nick Jonas lifting up his abs, and his like <laughs> Dexcom is like right on his six pack. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, Same. you get me. He's like, you get me, Dexcom. You you get what we want. Nick Jonas can make us cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I keep my Dexcom on my six pack too. So right. I totally, yeah. Is there even another place for it? Honestly? Yeah. Like, no, six pack only. If you don't have a six pack, you can't have a Dexcom. Yeah. It just, it doesn't work the same way. I would assume that the Dexcom really hurts if you are applying it to your six pack. I gotta, I gotta get Nick Jonas on the podcast and, and find that out. Cause I think he, I think you might be right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so like now, like we're, we're in this modern age and you said that, you know, you're, you weren't really comfortable going into the research piece of things until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are you looking forward to? You know, you mentioned that this generation of diabetics and like the technology and the design and like the, the things that are available, you're encouraged by that. What are your, what specifically, what are you hopeful for? <sighs> I think what I'm hopeful for is I just think there's going to be a lot more emotional support. I think for me, that's the hardest part, right? It's like, yes, I can add my carbs. I can, I can, you know, treat a low, but there's something to the concept of diabetes burnout that is so big on my radar just because I personally struggle with that so much. Like I'm an ambitious person. I'm an energetic person. I'm a social person. And, you know, diabetes can really take those three things away from me if I let it. And, um, you know, that's kind of, for me, having the sugars becomes a double-edged sword in that part because I'm sure you feel this way too. It's like having your passion project also be inspired by an illness that can make you absolutely miserable can be a lot sometimes, but I'm... I'm hopeful for the fact that all of these conversations and all of this honesty, like I feel like all of a sudden this whole generation of type ones is like coming out of their shell and we're starting to understand like some of the ways to support that side of it. Um, whether it's just through like different types of counseling or different types of conversations or different types of social meetups and interactions. Um, that side of it is the side that is, is the toughest to tackle from a chronic perspective. To be honest, like I've never, and this might make me sound like a pessimist, but I've never had my heart set on like a hardcore cure because this is America. It's 2017. Like we've all seen the climate of big pharma and politics. Like let's be real here. It's a, it's a far shot. And so I don't feel totally optimistic that like there will be a day where I can eat pasta and bread and, you know, sour patch kids without having to do anything. Um, I appreciate that things are moving along, but from a technological perspective, but it's things like good glucose and, and one drop. Like I love that the gap is closing um, for access. Like we were literally just talking about to, the right tools. I think that will help tremendously with the mental health component of it. Um, I think, I think we're kind of like finding a lot of holes in the support system and I'm interested to see what in like the next two, three years, what new holes, uh, present themselves. 
But even just like think about the Dexcom, like that this is a big deal. Like, yeah, I used to go like six, seven hours without testing in college. I had no clue what my blood sugar was. And now if I don't check every 20 minutes, you know, it's, it's a very new behavior. My fear is that we're becoming as obsessed with it as we are with everything else in our phones. And that's going to just add to the stress and the pressure. Um, so I'm interested to see like the checks and balances that we start to set and like the boundaries we set for ourselves going forward with, you know, the upswing of technology and the upswing of support, but also the increase in obsession and tight control. And, you know, I've even noticed a sense of like competition on Instagram. Oh if man. Yeah. People, I'm talking to you, stop bragging about your blood sugars. It's one thing to give yourself a pat on the bat for a good day because let's be honest with ourselves, but like the perpetual Dex graph posters, I, it's tough because you start to compare yourself to them and it becomes just like any other blogging world or any other Instagram influencer world where you're trying to measure your success against somebody else's. And I think at the end of the day, we forget that this is a disease. <laughs> like, it is. Guys, we're not trying to get like a promotion. This isn't a job where you can like work your way up the chain. It's it's a disease. So I think we need to be really careful and gentle with each other and respectful. But I do think that it, I think in the next like two years when everybody levels out from like adjusting to the Dexcom and adjusting to these sexy new meters and and potentially getting more involved in the closed loop fish type of pump system. I'll be interested to see where we all met out. Sorry, that was a very long answer. No, no, no. It was great. And, and I, uh, you know, I purposely asked those like leading questions just so we can pull these good, good things out. Because I think the first thing I want to say is like, you talked about your parents and the, the role that they took in like emotional support. My dad uh, told me years ago, like probably almost 10 years ago now, like the, the, the most surefire way to ensure you'll forever be unhappy is to compare yourself to other people. And I like the thief of joy. Like, and I can, and I can absolutely like, I've said that every month or, you know, sometimes on a weekly basis since then, but I wish I would have taken that advice more to heart sometimes because it's so easy to look to the right, to the left and say like at every level you get to, whether it's like health or in like a career or anything else, you like look to the right and the left and like someone else has something you don't have. Yeah, and it's such a trap. And I, you talked about like this being the generation that can change a lot of things for type one. But, you know, as a generation, we are so guilty of, uh, of, de of like, destroying ourselves through that anxiety of stuff that we have no control over and, you know, looking and checking and holding on to those things so tightly. So, um, of course, there's burnout. Of course, there's because we have more access because we like our edges are sharp and like we we see these numbers and we see these, you know, whether it's money, whether it's uh, an A1C, whether it's just a daily blood sugar, whatever the case. Yeah. A number on a scale, a size dress, whatever it is, like we are so, so, so like slaves to those numbers because we have access to them. You know, yeah. Number of likes or whatever. Like, you know, you'll look at a, you talked about, you know, all those other bloggers, like you certainly like in the first 20 minutes, if it's not really performing, delete it and start over. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's like, so. It's all artificial. <laughs> it is. And so I think like what we need is, um, and to really like make sure we know what matters and to like look at that like with a soft focus and say like yeah. the only way I'm going to make this and it's almost like 
sobriety, right? If you're uh, like like a twelve coming out of like a twelve step program or something, mm-hmm. it's like you can only stay sober that day. You yeah. can, and it's just like I can only be. A, you know, I can only take care of my type one diabetes like one minute at a time, one yeah. meal, one morning, one day, like whatever it is. And I just know that tomorrow I'm going to have to do that in some way. And I, and I tend to agree with you. Like yeah. my doctors told me within 20 years, we'll probably have a cure. I mean, we're pretty close. We got some cool, yeah. cool, like shit coming out, some cool yeah. technology. Right. So I want to um, be surprised when it happens. <laughs> yeah, I want to be like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I, I, I've said it before. Like, I want to be a part of a huge community of former diabetics. Like, how That's fun would that so be? So crazy. But also, you know, like, looking on the break, giving ourselves a, a break and be like, man, like, 20 years ago, we had to, you know, all we had was needles. We needed to have pens or whatever. You need and to that, pee in a cup to test your blood sugar. Oh, uh, awful. Can't even imagine how just, like, gross that would be on a, on a daily basis. No. Like, and just, yeah, so... If anything, like diabetes has become so much less gross that I'm ecstatic. <laughs> like, it's not that gross anymore. You're right. But I, to your point, like we put a tremendous, I literally, like it's kind of crazy that I'm talking to you about this today because last night when I was talking to my parents, they were like, you need to give yourself a break. The amount of pressure that we put on ourselves now to stay between two stupid lines, it's, it's not sustainable. So I think we need to just remind ourselves, like, you got to just accept your own best. And if it means you grab an extra handful of goldfish on your way out the door, like, you can't beat yourself up. I'm saying that because I'm looking at a bag of goldfish out of the corner of my eye. (laughs) Like, you can't, like, you can't take that emotion home with you. Like, that is, it consumes you when you let it get to you like that. And I am so guilty of letting it get to me that I go through periods where like I have to tone down the blog or I have to just not go on Instagram for a little while because I know I'm susceptible to it. I'm a very easily impressionable person. And I think when, when you are so sensitive, you just have to like bury yourself in other stuff about your life that you love, like bury yourself in it, like go play basketball for an hour and just like turn your Dexcom off. And if you get a low, you fix it. And like you remind yourself that for 15 years you've been fixing lows. And like, you know, I I have to give myself this pep talk like all the time, you know, you know what you're doing. Stop acting like you don't all of a sudden not, you know, after 12 years, you suddenly don't know how to have diabetes would be a load of bullshit. So I think we just somehow have to find a way to, be safe and stay in control, but without becoming like total sociopaths. But also I think what you, what you just said is so important. Like you struggle and and you're, and you're very visible. Uh, You do a lot of great work and like, uh, and you have helped people and people look to you for things as well. So like we're, nobody's perfect. Like it's very, we live in this curated world, um, even more so on like the blog and, and like social media side, like it's, it's great to humanize like what really is going on. Like it's, yeah. it's hard. Mm-hmm. And really they, like, I, I, I'll mention, I'll say, I'll tell this story maybe for the rest of my life. Like, and it really <laughs> happened to me really recently. Like I had this chicken sandwich that was so good. Like it wasn't even like that, like on paper, it didn't even look like it had that many carbs. Like it was probably just like 40 carbs with the fries, like not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It absolutely crippled my blood sugar for the rest of the day. Like, just sent me into like the worst highs I'd had yeah. in months, and just took my energy out. And I was like, "Man, this chicken sandwich! Like, I cannot let this thing beat me." 
Yeah. Like, and it, it just, I don't know, now it's a metaphor for it, but it's just like, you know, that I couldn't have prepared any better for that. No. And it just happened. So It's a sandwich. Isn't that crazy? We yeah. have, like, raging anxiety over a goddamn sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, it, and don't get me wrong. It was delicious. Like, but... Hey, it's probably a great sandwich. And it was one day of your life where, like, you know what? It didn't go so well today. And, you know, the rest of that day was totally fine. You know, once a, it was, like, about five hours of just high yeah. blood sugar. But, like... Raging just... bullet thing. And yeah, it was it was just oh my gosh! Like I'll never, uh, I just I'm glad that you told that story because, you know, it's hard and it's a it's a battle, it's a grind, it's a you know people say it's like not a sprint, it's a marathon when they're like yeah month long project yeah um, and then today in like the you know uh, one of my friends and I we talk about like 2017 is quick fix culture like everybody's looking yeah. for like We're what's so the, impatient what's the hack what's the quickest way to get to where I want to be. And diabetes is a good lesson, like to, hey, slow down, like this isn't going anywhere. Um, and, you know, the only way for you to, you know, really be at peace with it is to just take it one step at a time. Yeah, um, totally. I, I, when I'm in a good place with it, it's because it's like almost invisible. Like it just becomes as routine as brushing my teeth. Like when have you ever let brushing your teeth get to you? Uh Ever. You just do it and hopefully twice hopefully it's yeah, good. Totally. You know, it's and it's the same as your blood sugar. Like to think now that people are striving for below six A one Cs, like publicly and aggressively, I'm like I, I just I'm I probably am way off here, but I'm guessing that people didn't used to be this aggressive because it wasn't quite so public and like we held ourselves to different standards because we had different resources. And I totally understand that we obviously need to take primo care of ourselves. But like if we're crippling our happiness on the account of being below a six, like forget it. <laughs> forget it. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are probably some type ones out there that have a better A1C than non-diabetics at this point because like, and I just, I, I'm not that person. I don't have that kind of discipline and I'm driven by different stuff, I guess. But man, like if I crumble under the pressure to stay below seven, I don't know how other people do it. Bless their hearts. Yeah. And you know, it's so, on one hand, I'm like, I'm really glad that those numbers are achievable for people. Um, especially with technology. I think that, uh, continuous glucose monitoring is a big part of that. Um, and you know, obviously like health and wellness and fitness and things like people have more education now than they've ever had. Um, and I think that's good. And I, I, but I agree with you. Like it's not, and, and sometimes I have to like take my own, take myself out of it a little bit. Like I'm, I've always, I've been an athlete. I've always been a competitor, but it's like, this is not something that I've ever wanted to feel competitive about because it's a, it's like, I don't know. I, it's, it's my struggle. Right. Like I, and for myself, like I think I put, I had my best A1C in like five years uh, on my last and like 6.1. So I'm like, I feel great. Like that's, yeah, I, I feel that's awesome. Amazing. It's an, it's an awesome. And I like gave myself a pat on the back. Yep. Um, but it's real easy. Cause I see every day in the Instagram feed, there's a 5.5. Here's a, like a 5.2. I'm like, shit, those people are doing really great. Like, but yeah. it's theirs. It's that's theirs, not, not mine. Right. Also like there's nothing to win. <laughs> Exactly. Like, yeah. definitely, as an athlete, you know you know when this is a pointless competition, right? Like winning is the best part of competition, and there is no prize. Like maybe an A one C is a nice like 
keep on trucking, but like some doctors don't even think A1Cs are valid because you could spend 50% of your time 60 and 50% of your time 300 and you'll still have a 7A1C. And like, that's not good either. So I don't, we need to stop. We need to stop. (laughs) Everyone needs to chill. And I think like acceptance, you know, and I'm, and I've been on this big, uh, like kick of, you know, really working on, like I've just did 62 straight days of meditation. I'm really looking like acceptance and being grateful. And like, I'm on this journey and I'm like, and I'm loving it. It's great. But like the things that we're bad at are like the most uh, as a culture are like the things that make us like they make us unhappy. Like the bad, those bad habits are literally the cause of our problems. Yeah. And we just don't see it. I think um, meditation and mindfulness is something everyone needs to do. Like I'm realizing that that's a major thing that's like missing from my daily routine. It's just like slowing because our brains are literally like I, I joke all the time that like a diabetic's brain looks like that scene in the Matrix. Oh, and it's yeah. just like numbers floating everywhere. Because <laughs> like, we're just a bunch of little like data healthy. data scientists taking like real time feedback, making decisions, like strategizing. Yeah. Like it's a it's like a very yeah. applicable skill, yeah. and we're doing it all the time for our body. Like I I was somebody who knew I should have been meditating for years, right? And mm-hmm. I had tried probably like the last time I had tried was maybe 2014, where I would just like sit in a chair for 10 minutes and just sit there, but. <laughs> Uh, one of my friends recommended like this Headspace app, and I've been trying to get everybody on it since then because I've I literally and it has a little bit of competitiveness in it because it gives you like a streak and it tells you yeah. like hey we'll see you tomorrow so it's like oh yeah I better do this um, yeah but yeah I don't know it's just like it, it's it was striking to me how different taking ten minutes out of the day and just sitting there and thinking about like being present in your body like how different that was than the way I was living and really it's only 10 minutes and like, and so, yeah, I didn't worry about blood sugars. I didn't worry about work. I didn't think about any, I didn't think about whatever other projects I was working on. And I'm a person that loves to be busy. Anybody that knows me is like, yeah, what does Rob Howe love? He loves doing stuff. I'm with you. Are you an extrovert? Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. But also I have introverted moments as well. So me too. social anxiety through the roof, but also don't leave me alone for too long. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I need somebody around on a hundred for sure. Yep. So yeah. I, yeah. Headspace. We got to find a way to like bring headspace into the diabetes world. Cause I think you're right. I think it's incredibly powerful tool. It is. So, um, kind of as we're starting to, I mean, wow. Where'd the time go? This is a great interview. Um, so happy <laughs> that you came on. Me a lot. Um, <laughs> So let's, if you had the, the question that I always ask, like if you, you know, you have the sugars blog, like you've been writing for a long time. Um, if you had to boil it all down to like one thing that, you know, you would say to someone who was struggling, if you were like going to jump on a plane, you had like 15, 30 seconds to like tell them something like, what would it be? Oh, I think. I think I would say something along the lines of almost what we were just talking about. Like, especially if this person was about to run off and go do something amazing, it's like focus on focus on the real stuff. Like, don't let diabetes be oh, – let me think of the way to articulate this because I'm such a hypocrite when it comes to this, but – I guess I would say to them what I try to say to myself, which is 
don't let it win. Like if we are going to talk about competition, diabetes wins when you cry over something, when you beat yourself up because you refilled your test strip supply too late, when you uh, yell at a random person at your health insurance company on the phone. Uh, they win when you don't bolus properly because you're so petrified of a low that you run high all day. It wins when you don't, you know, approach relationships honestly. It has a lot of opportunity to win. And we as human beings don't have as many windows of opportunity to fight back. And so I guess my advice would just be to find like three things or people in your life that you can really, really focus on mattering the most to you and like love them so much that they take up all the space of just like things you care about. Because that's something that I'm working on right now is like you said, it's mindfulness, it's gratitude, it's passion projects that allow your brain to just take off on a tropical whimsical vacation. Um, you know, just surround yourself with positivity and, and things that lift you up because this shit isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Your blood sugar is always going to be a thing that exists. You cannot turn it off. So you might as well supplement it with just like cool stuff, like actionable goals, good people that make you laugh. Holy crap. Maybe that's what it is. We had to really call it down to one thing. Find a way to make yourself laugh really hard a couple times a day because it can get really heavy and it can get really dark and it can get really intense. And the only way to break through that is by just like lightening the mood. Like find a stupid video of a puppy on the internet if that's what you need. Talk to your friend that like just doesn't have their shit together in life and they crack you up every time. Just something that will like break the tension because if you internalize all that stress and all that pressure, like it's not good and it doesn't end well. So I think finding ways to just break it up is is really the only the only thing. That's not I wouldn't have time to say that to someone. Yeah, I think you missed your flight just now, but um... So this person's no longer going on their trip. Basically, lighten the mood, find stuff you're passionate about, surround yourself with people that you love, like to death so much so that like you're just exploding with joy every time you see them even if it's just one person or a thing like I love my palm tree in my apartment I bought a palm tree because it makes me so unbelievably happy when I'm around it like that kind of stuff it doesn't have to be like you need a boyfriend because trust me you don't but like I think it's I think it's important to like collect things and experiences and relationships that just like remind you that you're human at the end of the day. That was deep. But I, and yeah. you know what, you know, what's great. Like, uh, you have a lot of options now. <laughs> yeah. I have so many options. Like even if I was like, Oh my gosh, this might be quotable. I don't have to pull some quotes from this. And then I was like, Oh, well, uh, I gotta, I don't have a, uh, there's like 12 Instagram posts all in one, right? But <laughs> you make it just a whole month dedicated to my blabbering. Perfect. I, yeah, that's what I need. That's why you're here. <laughs> no, but uh, I love how none of that had anything to do with numbers or diabetes. Like, no, because like it, it just it sucks always. Like it literally is always going to suck, and it's always going to be hard, and you're always going to want something you can't have, and you're always going to feel like a little scared about stuff. And I think to just supplement it with positivity and 
things you know you can succeed at and accomplish, like it's the only way. You can make that sucky stuff feel smaller. You know, you can't give it power. No, you can't. And and I think that's, you know, that's when you win. You know, we talked about winning and, you know, that's those, those yeah. are those moments where uh, those few opportunities that you have as a person to win against that, uh, against that, you know, all ever present, you know, diabetes opponent. Yeah. Libby, Libby, you are dope. Oh, I'm, Bob, I'm, you are dope. I'm so glad we uh, we got to link up and have this conversation. Um, I'm yeah. so sorry. I make people's editing jobs very difficult because <laughs> I'm such a rambler. No, I, you know but. what's great? Like the, something that I learned, like, because I was very like, I would go and I would edit real hard my first few episodes, and then I started. I got into like Tim Ferriss's podcast, and I was like, "God, oh. this guy talks to people for like two and a half hours, and he's not yeah. worried about any of it. And he has like the most downloaded podcast ever." So yeah. I was like, "You know what? We can ramble. Let's ramble." Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad you came on to do that. Like, uh, I love all the work that you're doing um, with the sugars uh, and with events, and I see you popping up all the time. And I know that's I know what type of work and dedication that takes. So. Um, yeah. you know, thank you for doing it. And, you. um, you know, I'm excited to, uh, I, I imagine if everything keeps going as planned, we'll eventually run into each other one of these I'm days. Sure. And I look forward to that. Yeah, me too. I've never really spent much time in Texas, so plan some sort of thing down there and I'll find an excuse to come to, come to Texas. Perfect. And I will do the same. I gotta, I, I love New York and I don't go there enough. So, um, it's about to be the best time to come. That's true. Like, more week, New York won't be crappy anymore. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm have to take you up on it. So, um, for those of us, uh, for those of you, I know uh, we've talked about it a lot, but um, for people who want to follow you who don't already, um, yeah. plug your profiles. So I'm definitely most active on the old Instagrams at I have the sugars, all lowercase, no spaces, no slashes. Um, and I'm also have a blog on I have the sugars.com where you can do stuff like buy dope t-shirts and stickers and read more things about diabetes. Fantastic. And we'll, uh, include a link obviously to all that in the show cool. notes, um, okay. for, uh, for everybody to click there as well. Awesome. Thanks for listening to diabetics doing things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind the scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.